0: Two pitches, swinging a miss. Knock him out. The Philadelphia Phillies' are
1: 2008 World Champions of State!
0: Wednesday, March 29th, 2017, welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by ShopForKisses.org, the online shopping network of the Kisses for Kyle Foundation. I'm Bill Furman, I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chesko. Chet, seems like it's been a long time off, Um, we missed last week because we took the week off and then I had the flu the week before that, it's good to be back and talking Philly sports.
2: Yeah, always, Bill, and our Philly teams never let us down, at least in terms of giving us plenty to talk about.
0: Yeah, and uh, hey, Chet, before we get started, we want to uh, again welcome both of our new sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House and LuLaRoe, Taylor and Heather, to sponsor the Philly Press Box radio team, as well as Carl's Cards and Collectibles, who is also sponsoring tonight's show for us.
2: Heck yeah, special thanks to the Irish Rover, which agreed to stick with us for another couple of months, maybe longer, and a warning to everyone at the Rover that I'll be popping over there to see you all Thursday evening, so be sure to have a cold pint or two ready for me. And uh, speaking of sponsors, we are always looking for new ones, so you know, believe it or not, we do have bills associated with this little operation, the Blog Talk radio software, the Vimeo software. We want to improve our audio quality with some new equipment, so if you own or manage a business, or you know someone who might be interested, contact us through our website, phillypressboxradio.com. Our rates are incredibly affordable, and we will get you all set up. Fantastic.
0: Well, hey, Chet, let's get this thing rolling. You made your second annual Clearwater Philly Spring Training Trip just last week. and Tell us about it. And uh, Didn't you catch up with wheels for a few minutes while you were down here?
2: well i did indeed bill boy i'll tell you it was a a fun trip as usual and i'm glad you said annual because um you know i had never gone down to clearwater before last year last march shame on me for waiting all these years i went last year and then i did go back last week took in the phils yankees game last wednesday the phillies lost 7-3 but who cares it's spring training the outcome doesn't really matter and as i wrote on the website it's all about being there i was You know, There was a couple of cousins of mine, one who lives down in Palm Harbor, 18 minutes from Spectrum Field, and they're not big baseball fans, so they thought I was a little crazy for wanting to uh, get over to the field by 10.30 a.m. when the gates opened. I just wanted to wander around, watch some of the young kids at the other fields that make up the Carpenter Complex, see the sides, talk with other fans, etc., and I did all that, and it was great. And As I wrote in my piece, everybody just seems to be in a positive, happy mood at spring training ballparks. So I did talk to some other Phil's fans, some Yankees fans, including a couple of ladies from North Jersey who were a real hoot. And, uh, yeah, I saw our pal Chris Wheeler, too. We're going to play back that interview later on in the show. But we got a very special guest to talk to first, I believe.
0: Yes, we do. Uh, We're really excited. Uh, We'll talk a lot of Phillies here later on. But we're really excited to talk basketball, Final Four, with our very special guest. Overbrook High School and UCLA basketball legend, Andre McCarter. He's back to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. Andre, welcome back, my friend. Oh, uh, Welcome. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Doing great. Hey, Andre, wanted to get you started. Uh, when when you and I talked last year, uh, just, as a matter of fact, it was this week. It was the week before the Final Four. Uh, we, we were talking a lot of Villanova, obviously, but we spent some time talking about your invention, the touch club. And uh you know, just last week, I guess it was uh what, about the sixteenth, another article got uh got posted on the it was called the undefeated website and also got picked up by ESPN. That's great for you and uh, and have have you seen a little increase real quick and how did that all come about?
3: Well it came about because uh someone that from the Philadelphia Tribune uh with the contributing writer uh, wanted to contribute to the undefeated and they knew about the touch glove and we are in a kind of uh, revising stage where um, remarketing the glove we are in to launch on uh, amazon.com and uh, so you know in talking to them about it we've come up with some new I have kind of a younger body of people working with me so my social media areas and other ways to market the glove has improved and increased and so we're hitting a lot of places, so the article was good timing. I Actually, it caught me by surprise because I had done the interview, you know, maybe a, a month before, but they, they decided to play it during this time, so it was perfect timing. Um, one of the things that we realized about the touch glove is that we have self-correcting technology, and that's what touch glove really is, and we want people more. If a person goes to play basketball, they should have the touch gloves on. We shouldn't even start our kids off at, you know, four or five years old uh, and starting them picking up bad habits right away when there's something that's a self-correcting technology that's available in the touch glove that can correct and put the kid's hands on the ball properly and give them the the things, the tools that they need to start handling the ball and touching the ball the right way right from the beginning. So a coach, when they get you know, 10 know, 11 and try to get on teams or whatever, they're not trying to break all these habits that they can't break. And so that's what the touch glove does. There's no way uh, if a young person or any player, professional, whatever, uses the touch glove, that it's not going to uh, help them be successful. And a lot of kids, you'd be surprised when they fail because they go out on the court and can't dribble, can't pass or whatever, and they you know, they they feel that failure there, it spins off into other things. That's some of the new things we are finding out from our data, that success early on little wins by kids realizing that, hey, as soon as they put the touch gloves on, it's correcting what they're doing and they become a little bit better, whether it's just playing in the league or wanting to go higher up in, in basketball, whatever uh, the dream may be. So we, we're we excited, and we're looking forward to making the touch gloves something that's just like if you if you get on a motorcycle and you're on the highway, you should have a helmet. If you're playing tennis, you should have a tennis racket. If you're playing basketball, you should have a pair of touch gloves. You shouldn't play without them.
0: That's there what's going go. on with touch Hey, and didn't didn't we talk some about um, using that for other sports as well? As I think we talked some about football receivers. Oh, yeah. In any sport where touch is an issue, and
3: touch comes from the development of the fingertips. And what the touch glove does is basically break all the bad habits. That's why it says self-correcting technology. And touch technology is basically breaking any bad habits that a person has, inhaling the ball, putting the ball, on the fingertips and developing that and break and taking away. And what the glove does is take away all the negative things you're doing on its own. So we call also the touch glove the 24-hour coach. So any sport, volleyball, football, you know, rugby, whatever it is where you need fingertip touch. Even we're finding that people be surprised, you know, that play instruments now. And one of the things that we're doing that's a major problem in basketball, there's two major problems, free throw shooting, but the number one, one is the dominant hand, we call it the left hand. The touch glove is the new thing that will get kids and people to start learning how to use the dominant hand. And the drills and the things that are connected with the touch glove will change that, that dynamic. Most players, you get players in college, high school, middle school, whatever, that still can't go left. <laughs> you know. And so that has to change, and that's what we hope to do with the touch glove.
2: Awesome. Hey, Andre, this is Chet. Uh, congratulations on the success of the Touch Glove. Sounds like a great product. I should mention, I wasn't on the show last year when you were on, and it turned out to be one of our highest-rated shows. So I don't know if it was because you were on, people like you, or just the fact that I wasn't on. But anyway, I just want to ask you, Andre, how much college basketball, <laughs> Andre, how much college basketball did you watch over the last couple of weeks? I guess you watched quite a lot of hoops.
3: Yeah, you know it's hard to central in on one. Obviously, you know I watch UCLA a little bit more, but you know there's so many exciting games and the way they televise things now, you you jump around and then you try to get to some some summation at the end of what happened with this team or that team. But yeah, I did get a lot in. It was exciting because uh, this part of the season I call you know take season.
2: Yeah, that's for sure. Hey, for the for the third time in recent. For the third time in recent memory, Andre, Villanova suffered an earlier-than-expected second-round ouster, this time, of course, a year after winning the national championship. Now, UCLA won all those titles under Coach Wooden, 10 in a row at one point, but since then, we've only seen very few teams able to defend their title. Why is it so tough to repeat?
3: Well, you know, it's a different dynamic, number one, today. So, you know, they, you always have to bring that asterisk kind of into it, because we, players stayed And I was thinking about this question, uh, this thought the other day, talking to people, is that when you – like, if a team lost one year and those players were coming back, they take on a different approach about the situation as far as seeing where their faults were, you know, what could they do better, and these type of things. But because players from those teams, star players from those teams, leave out of that mix – it's like a little hole that's missing there. So if all the players came back and they all were, you know, suffered that loss and they all came back, that team would be much stronger the next year, like we were, and we would be able to come back because we had a, a point when we lost. We had won seven national championships in a row. We lost to North Carolina State, and then that next year, which would be last year, seventy-five, we had to, you know, regroup, and so we were there at the loss against North Carolina State, but we still stayed in school, Richard Washington, myself, Dave Myers, all players that easily could have been, you know, first-round picks if they were letting people go early, uh, came back. And then we defended our the, – the, we got our title back, I should say, uh, just because we remembered that loss and we came back. Today, they, they, they always come up with a new set of people, you know, it's not the same people. Villanova seems to get – you know, last year they had a mix that really worked, but it was still difficult for them. But they, they, you know, they took the championship last year. This year, there was a few little holes there, and sometimes in the NCA matchups are the key things. You can play, play a, a different set of matchups and probably go all the way. But you know, teams that are built to handle all styles, those are the more likely teams that, that win the championship.
0: Andre, two questions for you. These these are my two pet peeves of college basketball, and I, I used to be just a a huge, huge college basketball fan. But these two things really bug me, and I'd like to get your opinion on it. One is the three point shot being in such a an easy shot nowadays, where the game has become a perimeter game, and there's there's no dumping the ball into Walton and letting him find an open man, break into the basket, or anything like that. And, and the one-and-done. To me, the one-and-done, they either ought to let them go play professional right out of school or else make them stay in school. To me, the, the one-and-done is, is kind of ruined the game. What's your thoughts on those two issues?
3: Well, first of all, you know, the game, you know, I, I've kind of accepted that the game is what it is. I have some ideas on something that could add, um, make another variance in it, but I don't want to expose it right now. But anyway, but just to answer your question, basketball is always an evolution. It's, it's constantly changing. And there's going to come a big man that's unstoppable. And you'd you just be a fool if you're going to come down and keep shooting threes when this guy, every time you dump it into him, he scores. You know, just imagine, you know, we say you wouldn't dump it in, but Bill was shooting 60% from the field. I'm sure when Kareem was playing and they were throwing it into him and he's scoring every time, why, you know, why do you want to try something else until they show you they can stop it? So, I, you know, I think it's just a poor – I think the coaches and the big money and all the television things force coaches to just go along with what's going on and just adapt to what it is to keep their jobs. They don't want to try to explain to a athletic director if they lose and they try to do what we're saying the way the game should be played and everybody else is doing this, just let the kids come down and pull up the three and all that, then, you know, you have to be a powerful person. So it would take a person like a Krzyzewski or somebody like that – that has the power to then gets that kind of big man to say, "Hey, I'm dunking the ball in, and if you guys don't stop it, that's what I'm going to be doing." And I still could have three point shooters, but you know, we got a big man that we're going inside out, and then you got to deal with it. It'll force the game to have to deal with that issue, and other people start looking for that aspect of the game. But right now, everybody's happy thinking that this is what's keeping everything going, and um, and so that's why the game is going that way. As far as the one and done. You know, it's a hard animal. On one hand, you don't want to stop a person from going and getting paid because they let tennis players and other people do it. But, you know, in basketball, when you talk about the, the level of the um, um, quality, you know, you got a guy stayed in college for four years, and then he goes, that's a Bill Walton, that's a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, that's a Oscar Robinson, you know, whoever you want to name. And they come out of school and then they go into the NBA you know, they're more mature, they're closer to being a man because they're 21 or 22 now, and they go into the NBA. Now you got guys that are going into the NBA, and they're not ready. It's as simple as that. And then the college teams are suffering. But somebody had a good conversation real quickly the other night, and they were talking about that the numbers are starting to show that the one and done, the Kansas, the Kentuckys, and people like that, they're actually not showing up at the house when it gets down to these final fours now. you seeing these people like a Gonzaga or some of these other places where guys are staying longer and keeping juniors and seniors, going back to that theory where, like I was saying, a guy lost last year, but he's not a number one pick, so he would come back next year with a vengeance and more maturity, and he's running up against these one-and-done guys. Hey, you know, it's starting to show a little bit. So the numbers are starting to turn a little bit against the – and You know, like they're not dominating. In other words, the one-and-done schools are not dominating in the college game anymore. And it's actually starting to, the tide is turning towards the more mature teams that are seem to be getting to this Final Four. Like there's right now, I think they said there was no, you know, high number one pick in the Final Four.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's well, just changing. Speaking of one-and-dones done Mm -hmm. Andre, i got to get your evaluation of that Lonzo Ball. How good a pro do you think he will be? And what is your take on uh, his father, Lavar, his situation, who uh, just seems to really like to hear himself talk about Lonzo? What do you say about all of that?
3: Well, I think, first of all, Lonzo's great. You know, I mean, his attitude, you know, he's he's, um, a throwback. Uh, Coach Wooden used to always tell us don't get too high about stuff, don't get too low. Go take care of your business and do what you got to do, and that's what that young man to me has done. You know, he's not real braggadocious. Uh, he comes to play. He's a team player. He does whatever it takes to win. To get, you know, whether it's rebounding, you know, he tries to play defense. He, you know, he does a lot of things, block shots, and then he, you know, he sacrifices his game for the for the team. So his his part, as far as I'm concerned, he's been a consummate player and a, and a good attitude kid. And his dad, you know, he's just. He's a dad. He's, pu- he's pushing out there and, and um, trying to get attention you know, in his direction. His kids don't seem like they're phased by it. Lorenzo doesn't seem he goes about his way. He takes care of his business. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, things going on out here today, and people see success coming when, you know, they get the attention. So, you know, it's the bad publicity, good publicity, publicity. <laughs> you know, it, it, you know it, it draws the attention. And I think that uh, – I don't think he's really hurting the boys because they seem like they got their own um, identity. And um, I think he's set a foundation in them that they already kind of know how he is because they had to deal with him as kids. So they know how their dad is already.
0: So it's not to new him to, him, to, him. to them, is it? <laughs>
3: I, mean, I, think hey, I, uh, come I wanted to ask
0: with you, uh, you, you were on Facebook quite a bit and uh, – you really have a great relationship with the guys back in Philly that you, you, know, that you hung out with or, or part of the Philly legacy of the Sunny Hill League and the Baker League and all that. Um, have you always stayed in contact with those guys? or Well, obviously not all of them, but has the whole social media brought you guys back together? Because you, you certainly are a brotherhood. Well, yeah,
3: I think that um, the social media, Facebook, has definitely um, done that. Uh, for me, I, you know, I started writing about 2012. Uh, just as a hobby, I started writing sports articles. I always have a lot on my mind about sports, so I started writing about it. And it became popular, and, um, you know, I started writing for International Business Times, and then I started writing for um, I Sports Times for a while there. And I have a little feature things I do on Facebook called, you know, um, G650, you know, those real uh, private jets uh, um Unscheduled flight pattern and unrestricted flight pattern. I run right under that title, and I, my articles are more historical. When I write something, people say, "Man, your article! I got to get some snacks and water because I, you know I really lay it out. You know the whole thing. I just did something on um, Claude Gross and T. Parham, filling Philadelphia legends, and just a great story. Go gets all into the NBA history things that could have been uh, against the, uh, with Wilt Chamberlain because those these guys were a part of Wilt Chamberlain coming up in his story, and I've written about Oscar Robertson, you know Wilt Chamberlain, Guy Rogers, and it goes on and on. And uh, I um, so that connection also. Uh, then the guys on the Sunny Hill page, you know, I grew up. I was one of the first, you know, all-star players for the Sunny Hill League when it first started. So that you know put me in a position, and obviously all these young men have come behind me in the Sunny Hill League, and then I also played in the Baker League, which was even before the Sunny Hill League. So, yeah, there's a brotherhood. I mean, there's so many generations now that have come through that Sunny Hill system uh, in Philadelphia that it's just, you know, we're all part of a family as far as that's concerned.
2: Hey, Andre, in addition to Alonzo Ball at your alma mater, you've watched a lot of the pro prospects over the course of the tournament. Markel Fultz, uh, Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum, Laurie Markkanen, Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, Justin Jackson. Which one or two guys have impressed you the most?
3: Well, you know, they're all good. You know, they're all very talented young men. Um, you know, I think uh, Alonzo separates himself because of what all he does on the court. You know, his, his different uh, fortes on the court as far as you building a team and you want someone to run your team. I put Alonzo kind of over to the side. These other guys are just great basketball players, you know, scorers. They can you know dribble, pass, shoot, and do a lot of great things. Uh, you know, Monk I hit those two threes at the end of the Kentucky game. I mean, he went down fighting. You know, the, the first one he hit was really a tough dagger shot, but that second one, that he hit with two guys, two, three guys right there in his face, was just shows, you know, hey, you know, that's going to translate. <laughs> that's for sure. And then the other kid is really good for Washington, but, you know, um, he didn't have – I don't think he had the the team around him. Uh, and, you know, part of his two-way street. You know, maybe he's not that type of player like um, Lorenzo to kind of, can, you know, share it like that. He's more of a score-minded guard. And so he, you know – with a team with not as many um, other support supporting cast that that he had, that Lorenzo had at UCLA, he wasn't able to win. So it was kind of like, you know, you can't really get a full assessment. I think all those guys are NBA, you know, the NBA, at least up today, that they, they can come in and contribute.
2: One other guy I want to ask you about, uh, Andre, is Villanova's Josh Hart. He's generally projected to be a first-round pick, but likely in the second part of the first round, maybe the 15 to 28 range. What's your impression of Josh Hart?
3: Well, he's a big-timer, you know, gamer. He, you know, he's, he's a gamer type. You know, those are the kind of guys that, you know, will take things on their shoulders when, you know, it's, uh, it's that time of the game. And, you know, I think it will translate over, too, for him. You know, he can hit the long range, he can go to the basket and he has a willingness to, you know, to do things under pressure. So uh, I think he'll do well. I think he'll, you know, you got a lot of players that come in the second part of the first round. A lot of times, they, you know, they, they get that chip on their shoulder, and, you know, it depends on the work that they put in, and they think they're just as good as some of these other guys they're talking about. And, when he, you know, when it all pans out, some of them end up being better.
0: Andre, I know you're uh, I know you follow the NBA. I know you follow the the 76ers from afar, but I have to ask you, uh, what do you think of the trust the process uh that's going on in Philly over the last handful of years where we're almost intentionally losing games as an organization so that we can get the best picks and hopefully build into something, but in the meantime, it's been a miserable handful of years here in Philadelphia watching the Sixers.
3: Right. Well, I think this this year has been a little bit of hope. I, you know, I don't know if I, you know, no, um, necessarily. I don't know all the ins and outs of their plan. So uh, to the degree that they do, obviously, but I like what they do because, see, one thing I know is that everything starts from the top. And you know, I I know for me, I was um, disappointed in a lot of ways because I always felt that the NBA missed out on, with me because they didn't see that, you know, there's only a couple organizations that really know how to win championships. That's what I'm trying to say. And so, you know, now whether the Sixers know that formula or not to get to build something, but I I respect them for going against the trend of rushing and everything. You know, they bring in a coach and they fire the coach in, you know, one year and then they go off to something else. And, you know, it's like, you know, anything great takes time. You got to build a plan. You got to put your pieces together, but nobody wants to wait nowadays. So I respect the Sixers for you know whether their plan is going to fully work or not. That's still up in the air. We'll see if their you know concept or what they think is going to break them win wins. But the fact that they're willing to do it, to me, you know, I mean, yeah, the fans have to suffer a little bit, but I think in the end it'll make for a better uh, situation. You'll have the players you need, you will have the coach you need, and you have a system that you believe in that you're going after the championship and you're trying to do it the right way. So I I kind of respect them for that part.
2: Hey, Andre, when you were on last year with Bill, I really enjoyed listening to that uh, after the fact, great stuff, especially all your uh, remembrances of coach wooden. I just wanted to ask you when you think about coach wooden, what is your favorite memory of him?
3: Well, there's so many personal things. Um, uh, uh, there's so many, you know, there's so many, um, I tell you it was you know one time um when I when he got the presidential medal of freedom, he didn't know he was getting it. I kept it quiet the whole 3 years of the of the you know, campaign. It's a big story which I have in my book The Anatomy of a Champion when it comes out. But anyway, there's a part in there when he um got a call from the White House that he was going to been nominated and been selected for the Presidential Medal of Freedom Award. So because he didn't know, you know, you just don't do things with Coach Wooden. you have to get permission, you know what I mean? People tell him, okay, Coach, we need you to yeah. go over here. This is Don Wooden after all. You can't just do stuff, you know. So anyway, because I kept it away from him and told the people, which was only his players, that's who I dealt with. We knew we couldn't tell other people because they'd run their mouth to coach. So he didn't know. So when they called, he didn't believe them. So he was like, uh, you know, this is a hope. And so he was basically, because he figured they would have came through him and said, you know, somebody would have said something to him if, it, if that was going on. So uh, he basically said, well, if it's really you, send a courier out here with the information, bang, and hang up hung up on the White House. So uh, <laughs> Mike, Mike Warren, Mike Warren uh, who played with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, and Lucius Allen and them, was over his house at the time, and he had written one of the letters because I got letters for the um, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s of guys, 30 letters together to send to the White House to get the nomination. So Mike Warren knew about it. So when his coach got off the phone, he said, "Coach, you know, I think, um, you know, Andre did a little something, you know, whatever, <laughs> like that." So mm-hmm. when he found out uh, that I had done that, and that you know he was going to get the Presidential Medal of Freedom, when he called me. I had never heard Coach's voice like that before. I mean, it was like a little kid, you know, saying, you know, thank mm. you, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So it really, that really, you know, was that was probably, you know, man, that was that was something. Nice. I was so happy that, that he was happy.
0: That's great. Well, hey, Andre, I I had to ask you about the book. Uh, you and I talked about that great length last time. Also, how's the progress come, and is it is it ready to go or, or getting any closer? Well, you know.
3: This is what makes champions. I am the most probably determined person in the world. I should have trashed this project years ago, but I I know (laughs) how great it is, and you know, I fight with. I'm fighting with publishers. You know, it's too much money. It's this and that. So I'm I'm battling. I'm 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 looking at corporations. I'm I'm going all kinds of routes, but it's going to get done. You know what I believe? I think things happen in the right timing, and I just think that it it, when it's the right time, and I don't know why this time is when it's going to happen is the only right time. But when it does, it's gonna, people are going to really appreciate it. But in the meantime, I'm also working on this other book that's not as encumbersome as far as the, the the magnitude of this of the anatomy of a champion that I think people are going to like. And I may have to end up publishing that first, and then doing the, my major oh, humongous project. Anatomy of a Champion, because Anatomy of a Champion also has wings, it has other ancillary parts to a documentary, you know, it's other stuff, and it's a huge project, and then I have um, some footage that's very valuable that also is a part of the project, what I'm doing, where I interviewed Coach Wooden for 50 minutes uh, uninterrupted, and um, it's really mm. a treasure, you know, I go all the way back to the mm. elementary school, and all this kind of stuff here, and it's a personal Interview between me and conversation basically with Coach Wooden and me, and it's really can't something, wait. Something. Can't
0: wait to hear it. Wow! Yeah, so it's
3: a lot of good stuff coming. It's just a matter of getting it done. But I'm I'm battling out here, man. I'm 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 battling. I'm pushing under the basket. Um, you know, I'm I'm slapping them on the arm. I'm doing all the things that the referees not looking at. I'm trying to, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to get it done. Keep
0: Fantastic. us closer, man. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely keep us posted. I told you I have every John Wooden book and I won't certainly want that one too. But hey, oh, Andre, one this. one last thing before we let you go since we've used up all your time. You, you you hit it right last year with Villanova. Who you have to win this year? Well, you know
3: what? I I really can't pick. But I tell you I tell you what. So we got what we got, we got Gonzaga. I mean, how could you not want them to win?
1: <laughs> you know what I mean?
3: Few, all the stuff they've been doing all these years—you know, great team. They got it. They got that inside-outside game that we that we were talking about, Jim. We, you know, they they go inside now. It's one of the few teams that that rely on their big man like that, and then they got the, the, the outside shooters. Um, you know, uh, South Carolina, man. You're talking about taking, taking season great as I call story. it. Yeah.
0: yeah,
3: man. These guys, you know, they're just taking what they want. And they play that type of defense that, you know, kind of like what we used to play, where you see man and ball and help position. I like that. So, I mean, you know, how, can, how do you go against those guys? Who else we got in there? And then we got,
0: um,
3: what's the other team? Um, Oregon, Georgia, or North right Carolina, Oregon. Yeah, oh, and then Oregon. You know, in the conference with UCLA, UCLA, you know, number one scoring team in the country, but Oregon finds a way to get it done after losing their big man. What a story, you know. Just you know, and then the final one is who? Who's the last one? Um, North Carolina, and North Carolina, the big bear, <laughs> you know. That's right. The big the big bear is in there with the with the little puppies over here. So you know, I mean, North Carolina is North Carolina. So that you know, if I'm one of those other three that I named, I'm looking at them like the big bear's got to go down today, man. You can't. You got enough championships. We need one. All three of those schools saying, "Man, look." That's why I say it's taking season. Somebody that's got right. at three. You got to go say, "Man, we taking this." Yeah, you not. Come on, give no us a pick, Andre. Exactly give us a here.
2: pick. I want a pick.
3: Oh, oh, oh man,
2: <laughs>
3: I, I'm, I'm, I'm having problems, gentlemen. But I tell you what, I, I, hear I you.
0: like,
3: I like, I like Gonzaga. You know, I like okay. them. I think they have a, a balanced game, you know, and um, you know, I like them. But I also like I said, you know, Oregon, you know the, the 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 big guy for Oregon, man, he is special. I mean, see that's what I'm talking about. He goes and gets what he needs for his team. He he's not even the biggest <laughs> guy out there. He gets the he's blocking shots like he's seven he got guys seven feet that not blocking shots. He's going, Hey man, you come in here. I'm blocking shots. I'm dunking on people. You know, I'm getting offensive rebounds that nobody else is getting. You know, so I mean if he if he can do what he's been doing, Oregon can surprise and shake up the world. You know,
2: they can shake up the world.
3: So this is a tough one, gentlemen. I, I'm you know, I'm 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 saying hands off for me. I'm sorry. Yeah, hands off. <laughs> okay, back.
2: we understand. We understand. Yeah, hands off. All right.
0: Go. Well, Andre, hey, we, uh, as I said, we've used up all your time. We certainly enjoyed you coming on. Always great to talk hoops with you. Hey, I appreciate it. I look forward to the next time. All right. Thanks for you
3: bread. got it. All right. Bye.
0: All right.
2: Hey, Bill, as we mentioned earlier, we are happy to have a cool new sponsor here on Philly Press Box Radio. And I, I'm not kidding. I love this place. It is the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, a family-friendly bar and restaurant with an expansive menu from the Rover's famous gourmet wings and burgers to Filet Oscar. There's a spacious dining area, a bar that seats 50, 24 beers on tap, big-screen TVs to watch the Flyers, Sixers, the Final Four, daily food and drink specials live entertainment every weekend the band stem live is there this saturday have dinner or just go in for a few brews with your friends like i'm going to do tomorrow night the irish rover station house on bellevue avenue in Langhorn and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com
0: all right Jed. hey it's trivia time we'll be giving away a signed eight by ten color photo of two-time stanley cup champion and the lead broad street bully dave schultz to be signed this Saturday at Carl's Cards and Collectibles in Havertown to the first person that can call and correctly answer tonight's trivia question. Write this number down. It's 929 477 2855. That's 929 477 2855. And Chad, I'll tell you what, you're going to have to think a little bit about this. This isn't a drop kick. So here's what we're going to do. All right. Carl has donated the signed picture. Philly Press Box Radio is going to kick in a signed Dave Schultz hockey puck if you get this right. So you're going to get two things. You're going to get the picture from Carl, and you're going to get the puck from us if you get this right. How's that?
2: This is coming out of your part of the budget, right?
0: Yes, it is. That's why
2: we're looking for (laughs) Spud. Okay, cool.
0: There you go. go. From 2006 through 2016, Ryan Howard was the Phillies' opening day first baseman in every year but one 2012. Who was the Phillies' opening day starter at first base in 2012? And Chad, I'm even going to give a hint. This was the only year the guy played for Phillies, but he did appear in 125 games in 2012 at first base, wow. third base, and in the outfield. All right. This is not that a crop kick. Great yes, question. Hey, we, work hard here. we work hard here at Philly Press Box Radio. All right. Hey, Chad, let's get back to talking Phillies. uh, Talk a little more about your trip down there and meeting up with Wheels and, and how that all went. And then we'll talk a little it. Bit and about yeah, the so- 2017 version of the
2: Fightins. Absolutely. By the way, that phone number again to call in if you know the trivia answer, 929-477-2855. We want to give these great prizes away, 929-477-2855. Yeah, I had a blast down in Florida, as I said. It was just great hanging out at the ballpark, talking to fans, uh, hanging out with my uh, cousins down there. We had a blast. And, yes, I did talk to Chris Wheeler, as you mentioned. Had a real nice chat with Wheels, who, by the way, actually does the PA for the Phils games down at Spectrum Field and does a pretty nice job with it. So it was a fun couple of days down in the Clearwater area for sure.
0: Well, hey, uh, you, you have a little clip to play from, uh, from that visit, do you?
2: Yeah, Wheels was nice enough early in the morning before uh, you know the ball game in the afternoon that Wednesday to talk with me for a few minutes, so here's how it went. Talking with Chris Wheeler, longtime Phillies broadcaster down here in beautiful Clearwater. Wheels, does this ever get old for you? <laughs> no, Chad,
4: you know, we're just standing here talking about that, just looking around here and... I think this is my 45th spring training, so uh, there's something about coming to Clearwater, coming to Florida, coming to this beautiful, it's now Spectrum Field, and uh, just hanging out like this, it just smells so good here,
2: you know, everything about it's terrific. And of course, everybody from the 2008 team is now gone, as far as active players anyway. Who are you enjoying watching, and you know, what are you seeing from these young guys this season?
4: Well, it's kind of fun watching Stassi a little bit. You know, I got to know him when he was in our golf group this year and got to know him a little bit, what a good kid he is, and what a tremendous spring he had. And it was, you know, it was fun to get to watch Hoskins and Cousins and Crawford and Williams and all those guys while they were here. You knew they weren't going to stay, but you can see there's potential. there. some, you know, more in some than others, but there are some guys down there that, you know, you have to think, look, they're, they're going to be a triple A. So that's getting close. If they can do anything this year, you know, you'd like to get them up here and let them be able to play by mid-season, by the end of the season, and get a better idea of whether they're for real or whether you have to regroup again. Now, beyond Helixson and Buckholz, a lot of young arms on this pitching staff. How are they looking? You know, here, here's the thing about spring training. I, there's two things in baseball, spring training and September when you're out of the race, you have to be very careful about. So there are some better, uh, Viz Velasquez, Ikoff, you know, that kind of guy. He's, a, he's got some ability, um, but nobody is really jumps out and you say, wow, Nola, it's been nice to see him healthy. Uh, Aaron looks good. He, he's, his velocity is pretty good right now, and uh, his, his uh, breaking ball is good. You know, but when you had a little elbow tenderness, you know, they're always, yep. they always cautious about him. Uh, this rotation, Hellickson mm-hmm. had an awful game his last time out. Uh, nothing worked. He couldn't catch the ball. It was windy. Uh, he was working real slow. So we'll see what happens with him. Buckholz, to me, I've only seen him a couple of times, and he looked like he was just trying to get something going for himself. Mm-hmm. You know, when you haven't seen a guy and they're a veteran, you don't know whether that's all they have whether that's all they're showing you right now. Right. So he needed to show a little bit more. Uh, If he can, you know, those two guys at the top of your rotation will give some of the younger guys
2: a chance. I know you're not big on predictions. Pete McCann, though, has said 500, maybe a realistic goal. Do you agree? I think if we got to 500, that would be uh, unbelievable,
4: in my opinion. 500 uh, with where we are right now would be, you know, I don't blame Pete for saying that. And you're right, I don't ever make predictions about anything but if this team could win in the 70s and get to near an 80 or 81 wins, that would be great progress. Chris Wheeler, thanks a lot. Good, my pleasure, Chet. Good to see you down here.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, interesting, Chet. You and I are going to get to make uh, our predictions here in just a little bit. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to that uh, a little later in the show. But, hey, I think we have a caller, right? Hopefully we, uh, we have a winner of the Dave Schultz Package.
2: We have two callers on hold, but we got to take them in order, so we uh, go to caller number one from the 215 area. Hey, who do we have on with us?
1: Hello, guys.
2: Hey, how are you? Hello.
1: Hi, guys.
0: Is that – that sounds like to? Robbie Ellis.
1: Yeah, that's me. I wasn't sure if, it, if you picked me up or not. <laughs> hey, Robbie. We got you. I you you have guys. a you have
0: an answer to this trivia question. Awesome.
1: You know, I think I do, and it popped right in my head, so I thought I'm gonna run with it. Was that Ty Wiggington?
0: It was that Ty Wiggington. Oh,
1: awesome.
0: Ding 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 ding. <laughs> well wow, good. Yeah, good it came job. right into my
1: head and I went, God, in two thousand twelve, yeah, that was Ty Wigginson. He played he played all in the infield after he played everywhere.
0: Yep, he I gotta be honest. I totally forgot about that. And, and uh, I was totally actually surprised uh, I was surprised when I looked him up. You know, when I made up this question, that he had actually played 125 games that year, and uh, that part is oh, what yeah. really surprised me.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah he did. And as yeah. a matter of fact, he was quite good. I mean, he wasn't like the fan's favorite or anything, but he was a good guy. I mean, he, you know, he played. Uh, he was always playing
0: yeah oh, yep. So, yeah and he was at yeah, the end of it. it was at the see. end of his uh, road, though he was about 34 years old at the time, but he, he did a good job for the Philz that year, and uh, Robbie, I tell you what, we're going to send these out to you uh, unless you think you can make it to Havertown, the Carls cards, the Collectibles, and if you make it there, we will be sure that, as always, that Mr. Carl Henderson takes care of you as well as he does everybody
1: else. <laughs> um, when is that Saturday? Saturday. No, I have to go to Upper Darby, which is not too far from Havertown.
2: No, not have not far a, at all. Yeah, not but I, far I'm really
1: at all. like busy. Yeah, I'm really busy. Carl the whole will take day. care of you. Yeah, yep. Bob and I are busy the whole day, or otherwise I'd swing on over. But it's really, you know, a busy day. Bob's playing music, so we're like really you know, tied up until the evening. But okay. well, hey, Robbie, <laughs> great
2: meeting you, by the way. I. Bill, I guess you heard I finally met Robbie a couple of weeks back, and uh, we've been Facebook friends, you know, for two, two and a half years, and finally met and uh, saw some live music, and it was great. So nice meeting you, Robbie.
1: Oh, it was a pleasure meeting you, Chad. I just wish I could meet Bill sometime. <laughs> Yo, it, it won't
2: be long. I'll be, I'll be hanging around up there a
0: little bit more.
1: Oh, that'll be great. Love you guys. Will do. <laughs> All
0: right. <laughs> Bill, Thanks, you Robbie. Thanks, a- Robbie.
1: Bill, do you want me to give you my information?
0: Yeah, if you would just, just send me a message with it and I'll we'll get it out to you.
1: Okay. Okay, guys.
0: All right. Bye-bye. Thanks Robbie. Bye bye. All right, day hey, check, great winner. glad glad to have Rob win that. Ty Wiggins popped into her mind, though. That's
2: that's a that's a baseball <laughs> mind right there. Yeah, I gotta be honest, I did not know the answer. I totally forgot about that year. <laughs> There you go. Well,
0: hey, Chet, uh, so we stay on track. I have a baseball topic that I have to talk to you about, okay? What do the Phillies' number one, number 14, number 20, number 32, and number 42 mean to you, my
2: friend? They are retired numbers for the Phillies.
0: They are the Phillies' retired numbers. Okay, so yes. that's four, not including the 42 for Jackie Robinson. That's four numbers right. in the history of the franchise. Are you inclined to add maybe number 11, 26, 6, 35, or any other numbers to that retired jersey list since Ooh. that topic is floating
2: around? That is a tough one because, you know, they're all pretty similar in terms of quality and what they meant to those great teams of you know 2005 to 2011. So you would think if you're going to do one you got to do them all. But none of them is like as Richie Ashman would say a lead pipe cinch. They're all certainly worthy of consideration, but they're not none of them is a clear-cut Hall of Famer. In fact, the only one who probably has a shot is Jimmy Rollins as we've discussed uh, a couple of times on the show. So I think you probably have to do Rollins. Do you do the other three? I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. I'm going to have to give that more thought. What do you think?
0: Well, we'll we'll beat this around some more Um, because we we don't have a lot of time, but I wanted to toss it out there. Um, You know, I think if there's anybody, it's got to be Rollins. Um, He holds the all-time Phillies hit record. He's not going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, none of the others. He might. But, well, you he know, might. Hamels, depending on how late Hamels pitches, you know, he could rack up a whole bunch more wins. He could end up a, as a Hall of Famer. Um, still too early to tell on him. Uh, but we don't, we don't win a World Series, certainly, without the big piece. Um, nope. And what he did in the window that he did it in. But, uh, you know, you're talking about only four numbers in the history of the franchise. And now we're talking yep. about four numbers coming from the same team. Um poo. if I had to vote, you know, those today, vote four,
2: no. Those other four guys are Hall of Famers. I know Pete Rose, uh, who also wore number fourteen, would also uh, you know be considered. But yeah, fourteen is Bunning for the Phillies. Um, boy, I'm going to say Rollins, yes. And if you do any of the other three, you're going to do all three. But then you're talking about eight retired numbers, so. And these aren't the Yankees that we're talking about. These are the Phillies. We're, yeah, we're going to have to talk about this some more. There you go. All right. Hey, well, way, we'll things, talk about that. We will talk about one that other some thing. more. Rest in yep. peace, Dallas Green. We didn't get to talk about that. Dallas Green we lost last week, uh, the guy who managed the Phillies to the 80 World Series, the right man for the job at that time. So rest in peace, Dallas Green.
0: Absolutely. Not much more we can can add to that. All right, well, hey, Chet, we were going to talk a little flyers. We're going to skip over that. We'll be at the end of the year uh, pretty much by the time we get to that. But, uh, so we'll skip over that. We'll pick up flyers a little bit later. But, hey, I, I know we have a lot of listeners. They're local golfers. We've got a, got a great chance to, to golf and help a great
2: cause. Yeah, that's right, Bill. Hit the links on Sunday, May 28th, to help traumatic brain injury survivors at McGee Rehabilitation Hospital. The Golf 4 Jackie Tournament, that's Golf 4, F-O-R-E, Jackie Tournament, is located at Range End Golf Club in Dillsburg, Pennsylvania, not far from Harrisburg. Jackie, a TBI survivor, successfully rehabbed at McGee. For registration, sponsorship, or silent auction information, contact McGee Rehab at 215-587-3145. That's 215-587-3145, or check the website, giving at org.
0: Very good. Great cause. And, uh, and Jake, you know what? One of, my, one of our real good friends, Bob Sullivan, who always likes to brag about golfing all the time, well, I think we <laughs> need to put out a little challenge to Mr. Sullivan that he needs to show up at golf for Jackie on May 28th. You're darn right. Get to it bring us That's yeah. right. All right, hey, Chet, we have to make some predictions of our own. So this is serious stuff. First, the NCAA championship. We talked a little bit about South Carolina, or as Big John Roberts likes to say, USC. Oh, oops, that, that's the wrong USC.
2: <laughs> yeah, versus
0: it. Gonzaga and Oregon versus North Carolina.
2: Give me a champion, sir. Well, as usual, this tourney has been fantastic with lots of the favorites now out of the picture. I'm rooting for South Carolina. They are underdogs, plus I have a niece who's an undergrad there. She's a sophomore. But I'm picking Gonzaga and North Carolina to win on Saturday, with UNC winning it all after last year's heartbreaking loss. So I'm picking Gonzaga and UNC, and I'm going to pick North Carolina, but I hope I'm dead wrong on all of that. What say you, Bill?
0: Well, I'm going to pick Gonzaga as well and North Carolina as well. Interestingly enough, if you saw uh, the little thing they had out, the only one of the four coaches of these teams has ever coached a minute in a Final Four, and that would be yeah. North Carolina. So uh, yep. I'm going to go Gonzaga, North Carolina, but I'm going to go the other way, and I'm going to root for the Zags. I'm going to root for the Zags this time, although
2: North Carolina very likely could win this. I'm going Zags. Well, yeah, if it if it gets to Gonzaga, North Carolina, I would root for Gonzaga. But again, if I had to make a prediction, I would say UNC. All
0: right, okay, we got another one to make. It's Philly prediction time. Oh, I'll go first on this one. But uh, by the way, didn't we hit it right on last year? One of us.
2: Well, neither of us hit it right on. You predicted 70 wins last year. I predicted 72. So we were both one game off of perfection because they ended up with 71. So we are pretty darn close. Now, what do we say about this season? As you said, you're going to go first.
0: 71 was last year. I'll tell you what. I I just – I'm just not seeing it, Chet. I'm just not seeing it. If we're going to run Galveston Hernandez out there again every day, I'm just not seeing it. I'm going to go – uh, I'm going to go 76, 76 wins. It's a five-game increase. I'm not even sure why, other than maybe Franco and uh, and, and O'Double and and some of those guys will will keep getting better. We get to the end of the year, start bringing up some youngsters, and maybe trade some of these pitchers at uh, at the at the trade break. And uh, geez, I just don't see us being a whole lot better.
2: OK, okay, well, I'm not sure if you saw it, but Glenn Mack now put out a great piece on Tuesday, a Philly Metro column. he wrote, "Helping fans with a how-to guide to make a prediction for wins." I studied it, went with it, and all the data told me that thanks to an improved corner outfield, a better season for Michael Franco, the upside that Jared Aikoff possesses. it all told me the Phillies will finish the 19, or rather, the 2017 season. 80 and 82. 80 wins for the fills. Mark it down. Mm, we and I'll tell you,
0: I was going to go 80. I was going to go 80 and I couldn't I just couldn't find my way there. I I couldn't I couldn't find nine more wins.
2: Yeah, there are concerns, I, but uh I'm trying to be an optimist, so I'm saying 80 wins. I would like to say 81, but I I just can't get that one more to 500, sorry.
0: All right. Let's we'll see write them down write them down i did all right hey chet it is week six of random q2 time explain real quick again for the listeners how it works and i am on the hot seat
2: 10 show experiment with me asking bill two simple questions the first question always about a timely sports topic the second question one of ten random questions about whatever all these questions were written down the secondary questions um, so here we go. Question one, the sports question. There has been a lot of talk lately about NBA teams resting star players, often several of a team's top players at once. What do you think of this practice and what, if anything, should be done about it?
0: Well, what do I think of it? I think it stinks um, because I'm a fan that pays money and wants to go watch the game or take my family or whatever, and the particular player I bought. The ticket for at the beginning of the year uh, ends up he's not playing because he's got a game tomorrow that's more important than the game today. Um, I have a real problem with that. Uh, what do you do about it? Probably nothing. There's probably not a thing you can do about it. You can't force them to play or they will begin slipping in the shower or come up with every other fake injury. Um, All these these guys are corporations in their own, and I was actually going to ask Andre this. We ran out of time to get his opinion, but these basketball players make so much money that each one of them is a corporation in their own self, and you're not going to force them out there to do what they don't want to do. Basically, the players run the league. Um, I'm not a fan of it.
2: I'm not a fan of it either, and as some people on Facebook mentioned, you know, Wilt and Jordan and those guys, they played all the time, and they seemed to have pretty good careers, didn't tire out, so I don't like it, and I wish the NBA would do something about it. All right, your second question is – And didn't make $5 billion billion either. Well, yeah, that's true, too. Your second question is, Bill, uh, pick a number from this batch of leftover numbers, three, four, six, seven, or nine.
0: Uh, let's go Bill Barber, number seven.
2: Number seven. Okay, number seven, Bill, are you a concert goer, and if so, what artist or band have you seen most often?
0: Uh, I am not a huge concert goer. I used to go a little more when I was younger, but uh, the only one that I have ever seen multiple times was Bruce Springsteen and the East East Street Band that I've seen probably, oh, I don't know, six, seven, eight times, maybe something like that. But the last one being at the Spectrum as they were getting ready to close it down
2: during that last run. Yeah, me too. I was there too. I was there for the very final night that he uh, performed there. So, I kind of I figured that would be your answer. I for, for the Born to Run night. Well, there you go. There you go. All right. Uh, let's move along. Next up.
0: All right. Good, good stuff. Hey, Chet, as you know, PhillyPressBoxRadio.com is still growing. And we wanted to say thank you to each and every one of you that visits the site all the time. We've added a couple sponsors that we've mentioned the Irish Rover, Station House, and Lou LaRoe, Taylor, and Heather. We're excited about that. Of course, we have to mention Carl's Cards of Collectibles. And Bob Sullivan's new website, Likeyourage.com, can't wait to see more on that. Just go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, and click on each of their displays to transfer to their websites to get all the information.
2: And hey, if you ever have uh, any ideas for us in terms of what else you'd like to see us do in terms of the website, guests, etc., feel free to let us know through a private message on Facebook or through the website itself. You know, you guys, our listeners and website users, help make it all work, so please let us know.
0: And, Chet, hey, surprise me with what we have lined up for next week's show. And also, wasn't there a new app where you can listen to Philly Press Box Radio?
2: Well, you know, Bill, I've copied and pasted the script I wrote about this guest a few weeks ago when I inexplicably screwed up the date. She is a first-timer with us. She's something of a legend on the Philly sports scene, even though she's not an athlete. She's got a pretty famous father, and she does some of her best work some 40 times a year at the Wells Fargo Center where she sings the anthem and sometimes God Bless America at Flyers games. Of course, we're talking about Lauren Hart, so we look forward to talking with her. And we should have some uh, baseball talk, too, but I'm not ready to announce that just yet.
0: Oh, okay. oh, the other thing, Sounds yes.
2: In, a, in addition right. to Block can't Talk wait Radio, to, can't wait
0: to talk to Lauren. She's she's a lifer. She's going to have great stories. Oh yeah, she is great.
2: In all addition right. to can't Block wait. Talk, We're talk Radio,
0: up I. Hey, signing to Carl's Cards and Collectibles. Uh, since we finally got Carl off vacation and back to the store, he's back at it, fast and furious. This Saturday, as we mentioned, the baddest Broad Street bully of them all, Dave the Hammer Schultz, will be at the store. And next up is the private signing with Flyers legend Bobby Clark. But you're running out of time on that one. I think you only have about a day left. So for all the details, go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com. Click on the Carl's Cards and Collectibles banner at the top and go directly to Carl's website for all the details or stop by Carl's Cards and Collectibles at 22 West Eagle Road in Havertown, PA or give Carl a call at 610-789-4996. You can also contact Carl on Twitter at Carl's Cards. Mr. Chesco, do we have a parting shot for you tonight, sir? I am passing tonight. Yes, sir.
2: Yes, sir, Bill. While traveling last week, I was able to read the new book, Snow on the Barbed Wire, the true story of South Jersey's Bill Simmons known to many as El Wingador since 1999 when Simmons won the first of his record five titles at Wing Bowl, the only in Philadelphia chicken wing-eating competition, and yes, something of a circus. As, who's, as those who are regular listeners are aware, we had Bill on our show four weeks ago, and he told us all about the book. He wrote it with com co-founder Joe Valley. And a detailed Simmons' upbringing, how he got into trying out for Wing Bowl at the age of 37, and what went into winning all of those titles there and at various other eating competitions. Who knew the lengths eaters go to when training for these events? In the two months leading up to Wing Bowl, Bill would eat about 10 pounds of Tootsie Rolls a week to strengthen his jaw. One year, he actually ate his German Shepherd's five-pound bag of rawhide bones a month before the event. I'm not kidding. But Snow on the Barbed Wire is more than just the story of a guy consuming chicken wings and the fame which that eating prowess yielded. It also details the problems that Bill had on the home front, an offshoot of a failed business, the unexpected fame, and mostly some bad decisions. In the book, Bill doesn't hold back in chronicling the mistakes he made on the way to his arrest for dealing drugs, his prison sentence, and life behind bars, which he described as pure, unadulterated hell. You'll at times feel sorry for Bill Simmons. You'll chuckle on occasion at his amazement at the benefits of being a wing bowl champion. All this because I eat chicken wings, he often said. And you'll say, what the hell was he thinking at least a few times? In the end, though, you'll almost certainly be happy for El Wingador, not because he earned all those wing bowl titles, but because he was able to win a bigger, more important battle, overcoming personal demons to regain control of his life. So I do recommend it. Snow on Barbed Wire by Bill Simmons and joe valley
0: very good Sounds sounds like it's uh as interesting as he made it out to be when he talked to us
2: yeah it is good stuff good and where did you get that by the way oh it's available at various bookstores or you can uh, check bill simmons website uh, or on facebook uh it's available all over the place
0: Okay, all right. Hey, I think Chad. I think uh, I mentioned about us having a new app to listen to the show, and then I cut you off and moved on to the next one before you had the chance. You to talk. did.
2: You, yeah, it did. Very popular app. It's called TuneIn. Check it out on TuneIn.com, or the TuneIn app that you can get right on your smartphone. It's a very popular app, and we are now on there, Philly Pressbox Radio. So just get the app, type in in the search bar, Philly Pressbox Radio Roundtable. You'll find us, and it'll show up every Thursday for you. Oh, cool stuff. We are everywhere. We are te-
0: technologically yep. sound, my friend. You got it. All uh, right. Well, hey, Chet, we are at the top of the hour, so let's thank our special guests, Andre McCarter and Chris Wheeler, Carl's Cards and Collectibles, Irish Rover Station House, Lula Road, Taylor and Heather, and Bob Sullivan's LakeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, April the 5th, when Lauren Hart and maybe a special Phillies guest joins us. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Radio, or on both iTunes, Stitcher, and now, what is it?
2: Tune in. Tune in
0: app. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans.